Lord Jesus, we do want to thank you, Lord. Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, for just your awesome love for us, Lord. Lord, we want to thank you for your amazing grace, Lord, and your mercies that are new every day, Lord. Lord, we know that we fall short, Lord, that we are an unfinished work, Lord. But you still love us, Lord, and nothing can separate us from your love. Lord Jesus, I pray for today, Lord. As your word goes out, Lord, as people make a proclamation, Lord, of their love for you, Lord, and who they are in you, Lord. I just pray that you would minister to each and every one of us, Lord. That you would speak to all of us, Lord Jesus. That you would just begin, Lord Jesus, to do a great and a mighty work in us, Lord. Lord, as we hear your word, may we walk out of this place, Lord Jesus. Just renewed and transformed and encouraged, Lord, to do the things that you have called us to do, Lord. For we know that your word is alive, Lord, and we know that your word is powerful, Lord. And we know, Lord Jesus, that your word will do a great and an awesome work in us, Lord. So help us to receive it, Lord, with open hearts and softened hearts, Lord. And Lord Jesus, we just want to tell you that we love you. We praise you, Lord, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, this, uh, this morning, uh, we're going to actually look at uh, an account of a baptism. Uh, we're going to look at an account of, an, of a baptism in the, in the New Testament. And we're going to be learning about baptism as we know that uh, this is what we're doing today. There are many that are going to come forward and, and, uh, and just do this. And so it's important for us to understand why we do these things and, and what's the significance of these things as many of us may not understand uh, much about baptism. We just hear that uh, about it, or, or maybe we were baptized as a little child and we didn't know why we were baptized or why we made these decisions. So we go through the word and we explain to you the reasons behind it and why we do this. And so this is why we're going to be going over this account of, of baptism from the book of Acts. And we're going to actually be in, uh, in Acts chapter 8 today, and, and uh, we're going to begin in verse 26. I know that we've gone away from our systematic teaching, but last week was Mother's Day, and, uh, and today is, is baptism. So uh, we will return to the book of James, but before we do that, we definitely want to go over this now. And uh, as we know, as you're turning to the book of Acts, one of the things that uh, the Lord told us all to do, He gave us all a great commission. And the great commission that He gave us all was to go out and to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he told us to teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So in other words, what the Lord is trying to tell us, to observe the things that he has told us to do, to do the things that he has shared with us. And so as we do this, as we go through the word, he's going to remind us about baptism today. And he's going to share with us on this very subject. So let's begin in verse 26. It says there, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go, therefore, and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So we have a couple of things here. And what I love about the Word of God is that it always reveals to us different things. You know, you can read the, a passage or a verse one day and and then you read it another time, maybe a month later or, or a year later, and there's something else that it teaches us. And so as we read this, there's a couple of things that the Lord has revealed to us today. And the first is the fact that the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Have you found it amazing that uh, angels can come and speak to us? Angels can come and visit us? The Bible tells us that you know, be careful, because one day you may be entertaining an angel. But we see here that an angel came to speak to Philip, to ask him to do something. And what's so amazing about this is that the angel could have done it himself, couldn't he? We see here that, you know, as we're going to keep reading that, you know what, he's going to instruct them to do something. And we know that the angel could have done it himself, he could have gone and, and, and completed the work that God wanted to be completed here. But what he decides to do is to use an angel. 
And what I like about this is that the angel is going to tell Philip to go and to share the gospel. He wants Philip to go and to share it. So in other words, God has never chosen angels to come and to share the gospel. You know what's so amazing about God? Is that he decides to use people like you and me to share the gospel. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever thought about that? He could use anyone, anything. He could use angels. But he desires to use people like you and me. People that fall short. People that are sinners. This is God's amazing grace, right? To choose us and to use us in such a fashion. To be His instruments to come out and to share the good news. And what is this good news? What is the gospel that I'm talking about? It's about salvation that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the good news. We are not saved by any other manner, any other fashion, any good works that you do. You and I and all people are saved through faith in His Son. That's the only way that you and I can ever be saved. Some of us think that, you know what, if I do good things, right, I'm going to be saved. If I say so many prayers, I'm going to be saved. If I feed the poor or I help my my family, you know what, by these good works, I'm going to be saved. None of that is good enough. The only way for us to be saved is when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is the first, uh, this is as we're talking about the things that the Lord wants us to see here. That He has chosen us. And He uses us. And as we're instructed here, we see that the angel goes to Philip. And he's telling Philip, you know what, I want you to go to this place in Gaza. And as we, if you look in verse 4, Let's find out where Philip is now. In verse 4, we see here that in in chapter 8, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. The joy of salvation, the joy of deliverance, the joy in the fact that people were held captive to demons and to things. And now they were set free as Philip was in Samaria preaching the gospel. And this is where the angel appeared to Philip. And he tells him, you know what? I want you to go to this place in Gaza. Do you know how far Samaria is to Gaza? It's 50 miles. And so, you know, we see here that the angel instructs Philip, I want you to go 50 miles from Samaria to Gaza. And you know what is amazing about this? This is the second point that I want to share with you. The second point that I want to share with you is the fact That Philip has been chosen to take the message of Christ to one person. That's how special we are. God desires that we would be saved. And He will use a messenger to come and to share the gospel with us. I remember when I, before I gave myself to the Lord, before I surrendered my heart, before I gave gave my heart to Him. I remember the Lord had sent messengers to me. And you know what I did with these messengers? I mocked them. I laughed at them. And I said, not again, another invitation to go to another Christian event? I don't want this, right? But see, God didn't stop there, right? He continued to put it on the heart of these people to come to me. That's the love of God. He doesn't give up, right? He wants us to be saved. He wants us to have the joy, the joy that was being experienced there in Samaria. The joy of salvation, the joy of deliverance. Because we're all held captive. 
But when the Lord comes into our hearts, He sets us free. And those that are free are free. In, I mean, those that are, that are free are free indeed. And this is the Lord, what He wants with us. You know, when it comes to sharing the gospel, you know what? Many times, aren't we afraid to share the gospel? Aren't we afraid sometimes to, to speak to others about the gospel? You know what? Those that came to share with me, you know, little did they know that I was laughing at them and mocking them. And I'm sure there were those times when they would come and they were thinking, Oh, Lord, what do I say? What do I do? What do I give them? You know, one thing that the Lord is doing is not only is He working on us, right, to go and to share the gospel, but He's also working on the other person. He's beginning to convict them of their sin and their need to, for Jesus. And He's working in both of, their, both of the, the, the messenger's heart and also the recipient's heart. So when you're thinking about, you know what, what am I going to share? What am I going to go out and tell them? Know that God's already preparing their heart for the message that you're giving. All God is looking for is people that are available for Him. You know, we, we don't have to be Bible scholars. We don't have to go to Bible college or, or school of theology. He's just wanting us to be available for Him and to go out and to share just the things that He's put upon your heart to share to them. And so as we keep reading in verse 27, let's see what goes on here. He says, So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. We see here that Philip has been sent to meet this Ethiopian. And this man from Ethiopia, it's not Ethiopia today. The man from Ethiopia, this is actually ancient Nubia. And this is south of Egypt and in between, I'm sorry, this is in between southern Egypt and the Sudan. This is the place he's going to. This is Basically, this is further, I mean, I'm sorry, this is further from where this man came to Jerusalem. This man came, when he came to Jerusalem, from the place that he belonged to, ancient Nubia, it was 200 miles from Nubia to, uh, to Jerusalem. And so we see here, we see the fact that, you know what, that Philip has been sent He's been sent to go and speak to this man. This man that has charge over the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia. And the fact is, is that this man is a eunuch. A eunuch is a man that has been castrated. And one thing about eunuchs is that the Bible instructed, instructs us about eunuchs is that they couldn't go into the Jerusalem temple. They couldn't go in and worship God. Not in the temple because they were eunuchs. Because they were castrated. And one thing is, is that this man, he would go to the uh, temple in Jerusalem even though he wasn't a Jew. He wanted to go over there and to worship God. So we know that this man, he had a love for God, right? Even though he knew that he couldn't go into the temple. He still traveled 200 miles to go into this place to worship God. How many people do pilgrimages, right? To worship God. Little do they know that God is not confined to walls. Little do they know that, you know what, just because there's a building there doesn't mean that God's in that building. Do you know where God resides today? We know, of course, it's, you know, He's in heaven. But apart from heaven, where does God reside today? In you and in me. Those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. This is where God resides. You know this man. This man of great authority. One thing we know about him. 
is that he would have been a religious man, right? Because he wants to draw closer to God. He desires to travel all of these miles to find God, right? To come to a place of locating him. And one thing that we know about God is that the only way to reach God is through Jesus Christ. Did you know that? You and I can't have fellowship directly with God unless we go through Jesus Christ. This is what the scriptures tell us. This is the truth of the gospel, and I want to prove it to you. And it's in John 14, 6. Jesus says, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, which is God the Father, except through me. So we can't reach God unless we go through Jesus Christ. He's the bridge between God and man. And the only way for us to, reta- uh, to, to have fellowship with God again is that we need to surrender ourselves. We need to come to the faith in Jesus Christ. And then our fellowship with God is once again restored. Or it's in a place where it was designed to be. Talking about this Ethiopian eunuch, it tells us that this man was a man of position, right? He handled the treasury. He was, you know what, in other words, he was part of the elite there for the queen, right? He was in the, the you know, in the, the, the one that counseled there, the queen, right? She, he was her immediate servant. He did things for her. He belonged to her, right? And, and he basically took care of all the money, all the treasury, all the riches. But see, when it comes to God, God doesn't look at titles of man, does he? God doesn't say, you know what, just because you've done so well in this world that I'm going to accept you as you are. God says none of that. God says, you know what, I come to all of you because you are all sinners and, you're in the, and you are all in need of salvation. You are all in need of a healing. And so as we keep reading in verse 28, it says that this Ethiopian, well, let's read again from verse 27 because it leads into verse 28. It says, So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. We're given some insight into this Ethiopian, right? What is the Ethiopian doing? As the Bible says that he's in his chariot. You know what? In order to, for this man to have a chariot, this man was a man of great wealth. Not everyone had a chariot, right? We know that he belonged to the queen and he handled all her treasury. But this man had a chariot. And usually, if he has a chariot, he's also going to have what? A number of servants that are with him. Because he is a man of wealth. He's a man of possession. He's a man that needs to be guarded also in case somebody wants to attack him. But he's in a chariot. You know, and for us to think to ourselves, you know, a chariot. You know what? He must have had great wealth. But in this chariot, he was sitting down. And what was he doing in the chariot? He was reading. What was he reading? He was reading the Old Testament scriptures. And one thing that he was doing, the Bible says, is is that he was reading them. He was sitting and reading. And as we go to verse 29, it says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake This chariot. This time we have the Spirit of God that is telling Philip to go and to speak. Before it was the angel, right? And now the Spirit of God is prompting Philip to go and to speak. You know, as we look at this, I want to talk about something here. Because, see, the Spirit of God. The way he works in believers today is that he impresses upon our hearts the things that we are to do. 
the things that we are to say. Let me share a story with you. It's an amazing story that happened to me. I went to Argentina one time. And in Argentina, when I went there, we had the indigenous people, right? Because we went into Iguazu Falls. And that's one of the natural wonders of the world, right? It's like our Niagara Falls. While you have Iguazu Falls, that's in Argentina and in Brazil. It borders both countries. And I went into this place I went to visit. And when I went to visit, there was this group of indigenous people there, the Indians that were there, the native Indians. And they were selling all of their spears and their, you know, their little knives and their wooden stuff that they have, right, that they make money with. And these things are dangerous because they have slingshots and spears, right? And I was thinking as my, little, as my kids were much younger, I was thinking to myself, what am I going to buy them to take them back, right? And I'm looking at all these things. But before I went there, I remember I noticed this man, the man that was selling this stuff. And there was about four of them there, four to five of them. But he caught my eye. And when I saw him, I said, okay, well, you know what? I I didn't know what was going on, but I went to go buy the stuff for my kids. And all of a sudden, when I'm talking to him or talking to them, again, I just feel this prompting within my heart to speak to this man. And as I felt this prompting, I went to him and I began to talk to him. And believe me, all of a sudden... I know what the Spirit of God was telling me to do. He was telling me to share the gospel with him. See, I had noticed him, right? And then I drew close to him, and then I began to speak to him. And as soon as I yielded to the Spirit of God's leading, things just started coming out. See, and this is what happens to us. See, I was no Bible scholar. All I knew was what God had taught me through the scriptures, right? And that's what I began to share. And one thing I know, as I began to share with him, the Spirit of God asked me or instructed me to ask him who he worships. And that's what I asked him. I said, you know what? Who do you worship? And he began to say, well, in Spanish, he began to say we worship the sun god. We worship the moon god. We worship, you know, the gods of the stars. And as he began to share these things with me, the Spirit of God had prompted me, and I just asked him, I said, why would you want to worship these gods, right? The ones that, I mean, uh, these created things. Why wouldn't you want to worship the one who created them? And then I began to share the good news. And by the end of our conversation, I wasn't done there, right? The Spirit of God was asking me and prompting me to ask Him to receive me, to take in the God that you have been sharing with Him about. And so when I shared with Him, I said, do you want to receive the God that created All of these things. Instead of worshiping, why do you want to worship the creation versus the one who created it? And he says, yes. And to me, I was like, praise the Lord. Okay, Lord, this was from you, right? As he received it, right? As I I was led by the Spirit and he received the gospel, the good news that salvation can come only through faith in Jesus Christ. So then we said the sinner's prayer and You know, the other people are looking at him, those that are with him. And then after our conversation, after we talked about this, I asked him, I said, do you know, have you ever read or do you know about the Bible? And he says, no. I said, you've never read the Bible? He says, no. I said, the Bible contains everything you need to know about God, about salvation, about this life and about heaven above. I said, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to mail you. The Bible. And he says, okay. I I said, but I need your name and I need your address. I don't know. You know, I know this is a huge park. It's Iwasu Falls. But what's your direct address? So he said, just mail it to the park. And I said, okay, I'll mail it to the park. I said, whose attention do I put? And he said, put to the attention of Jose D. Fernandez. 
And I'm thinking, oh God, Jose D. Fernandez, how many Jose Fernandez's are going to be in Argentina, right? Especially in the park. I said, how do I know that you will receive this Bible if I mail it to you? He says, because I'm the leader of the tribe in Iwasu Falls. Can you believe that? This is how gracious our God is. How he chose me to share with the leader of the tribe. And the tribe received the good news, the leader. And so, of course, I mailed them the Bible. And who knows what's happening in Iwasu Falls. But I do know one thing. The leader was saved. And with the leader being saved, how many more will be saved? Pray for Jose D. Fernandez and the tribe. It's in our prayer list, as Richard has instructed you, to be praying for those that are on the prayer list. But see, this is the way the Spirit of God moves. You know, this is a common way that God moves in our lives. You know what? There's not, it's not common for to us today to hear the voice of God. But it is common for us to feel the impression upon our heart as the Lord leads us and as He guides us. And as He does that, as you take a step of faith, you see where He meets you and He's going to lead and guide you to what He wants you to do. As we keep reading in, in verse 30, it says, So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? You know what's so awesome? Is that as the Spirit of God shares with Philip to go near and to overtake, what is it that Philip does? He doesn't just walk, right? He doesn't say, okay, Lord, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Holy Spirit, I don't know what to say. I'm nervous. I'm confused. You know what he does? He runs. Isn't that amazing? How many of us, when God tells us to do something, do we run? Are we anxious to go out and do it? You know, you see this man that is being led by the Spirit of God. He's anxious. He runs. He just doesn't, you know, think about it or contemplate it. He runs and he does what God is asking him to do. And what he does is, as he gets there, he hears Isaiah hearing the gospel. I mean, reading the gospel or reading the Old Testament scriptures. And it was very common at this time that when you would read, you would read out loud. And so as he hears him reading... Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? You know, it's, it's an important question for all of us. Do we understand what we read? I want to talk about this because I remember when I was young, as a boy. I remember when I was in religion. People would tell me, don't read the Bible. Don't read it because you won't understand it. There's only certain people that understand the Bible and can read the Bible to you and explain it to you. They were half right. Because they, they neglected to disclose the whole truth. See, yes, as a non-believer... And we're not talking about one that, you know, that, that uh, we're talking about one that hasn't surrendered his heart to the Lord. As a non-believer, when we read the gospel, it will not make sense to us. I want you to know that. The Bible will not make sense to you if you haven't surrendered your, your life to Jesus Christ. And you're probably saying, how do you know this? Because the Bible tells me, and I was an example of that. And I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians Chapter 2, verse 14. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says here, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. What this is trying to tell us is that we cannot discern the things of the Spirit. The gospel will not make sense. The only way for us to understand the Spirit, the, the, the gospel, 
and to make perfect sense to us where it all comes together is when you're born again of the Spirit. That's the only time. We need to be born again in order to understand the meaning of the gospel, for it to make sense. How many of you, before you came to know the Lord, would you try to read the gospel and you didn't understand it? Give me a show of hands. And then when you became a believer, how many of you understand what it says now? Give me a show of hands. It's the proof. This is the proof of the gospel. This is the truth of the gospel. See, we need to be born again in order to discern the things of the Spirit. I want us to understand that the Spirit of God is our teacher. He is our guide. And I'm going to read something to you from 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. And you don't need to turn there. I just want to read it to you. It says, But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. What we have now is the Spirit of God that is our teacher. The Spirit of God is our helper. The Spirit of God teaches us all truth. It guides us into all truth, is what the Bible says. I remember when I was at Shabaram Park one time. There was a gentleman that was sitting there on the hills. I mean, you've been to Shabaram Park, right? On there on Hacienda and Kalima. And my sons were playing soccer. And I saw this man, and again, the Spirit of God just led me to him. And I saw him reading, and I asked him, I said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he says, no. He says, I try and I try. I said, have you surrendered yourself to Jesus? And the first thing he said is, no, but I go to church every Sunday. And I said, well, if you want this to make sense to you, you need to be born again. It's the same thing that I've been sharing with you. And of course, he surrendered himself to the Lord. And oddly enough, his name was also Jesus. And I said, praise the Lord, Jesus. Not only do you have an awesome name that means salvation, but you have now also been saved. And so as we keep reading back to Acts in verse 31, it says, And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and to sit with him. He wants to be told and explain the scriptures. See, this is awesome how the Lord had already been working on the eunuch's heart that he was willing to go up and to be taught the scriptures as, as uh, Philip did. And then as we keep reading, and verse 32 says, the place in the scripture which he read was this. So this is where the eunuch is reading. He says, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth in his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So he's reading this, right? And of course, it's talking about the sacrificial lamb. Jesus Christ, who is willing to give his life for us. To take upon our penalty so that we wouldn't taste death. And remain separated from God. He took our penalty and this is... Isaiah 53 that describes Jesus 700 years before he came to do the work that he did for us. And verse 34 goes on to say, So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Who is he talking about? Is Isaiah talking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? And then verse 35 goes on to say, then Philip opened his mouth and began, beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. This is what is so amazing. See, God had used Philip and God was already preparing the heart of this, of, of this uh, um, Ethiopian eunuch. 
And so what Philip begins to do is begins to preach the salvation news. The gospel, the good news. You want to be saved? You got to surrender yourself to Jesus. He did it all. If you want your joy to be abundant, uh, the Lord can give that to you. If you want love in your heart, the Lord will give that to you. You know what? If, if, If you need to be changed and transformed, the Lord will do that to you. It's all about the Lord. You know, many of us, you know what? We have voids and we're lacking joy and we have burdens. And you know what? And we don't know how to be set free from these things. And only the Lord can do it. And as He's preaching and teaching the Scriptures, He's sharing. Because remember, when we preach the Gospel, it's to the unsaved. And when you teach the Gospel, you're discipling those that are saved. Here, the Ethiopian eunuch was unsaved and he's preaching the Gospel to him. And what I love about this is that he began... Here in Isaiah, I wonder where he ended up. None of us know. The Bible doesn't reflect this. But one thing that we know that the Bible says is faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The Word of God. If you want your faith to increase, we need to be hearing the Word of God. This is what the Gospel says. This is what His Word says. If you want your faith to grow, then you got to be hearing the Gospel. you got to be coming to church. Not that you're saved by this, but it's important for your growth. It's important that you belong to a body of believers. The gospel tells us don't forsake the fellowship of the brethren. Because you need the encouragement, you need the prayer. How many of us on our own can survive apart from the body of Christ? You know what? When you are absent from the body... You are slowly falling into compromise and into what the world teaches and into what your flesh teaches you or wants from you. When you talk about, when we look at the Redwoods, the man, we just went on a retreat. And this retreat was awesome. We went to Mount Baldy. And we saw these massive trees. None of them were Redwoods. But I want to talk about the Redwood tree. Do you know why the Redwood tree can grow as, as high as it does? Because the roots of the redwood, they latch on to one another. See, if you put a redwood on its own, it's not going to grow that tall. But when you put the redwoods together, they soar to the heights that God created them to be. Just like the barbecue, right? Take a coal out of your barbecue pit. That's maybe more understandable to us, right? We take a charcoal out and we put it on its own and what happens? It fizzles out. But yet, you put the charcoal together and what happens? They're burning on fire, right? For the Lord. And this is what the Lord wants from us. That's why it's so important to be in fellowship. I mean, we need to be refueled, right? How do we survive from Sunday to Sunday? You know, come to a midweek service. Go to fellowships. Be a part of these things as the Lord wants to have you burning, having a passion for Him. And not for the things of the world that want to take our attention. So as, we, as we're here, verse 36 says, Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, So here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? How does a eunuch know about baptism? <laughs> and remember, baptism started with the New Testament, right? When the New Testament church began. We know that John the Baptist baptized people for the remission of sins. But that's not why we get baptized these days, right? When Jesus Christ came, He came for another reason, and we're going to go over that in just a second. But one thing that we know is that He requests to be baptized. When we think about this, how did He know? Maybe the Ethiopian eunuch saw others being baptized, right? Or maybe Philip explained to him why he needed to be baptized. And let's read in verse 37. It says, And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This is a prerequisite for baptism. Okay? I want you to understand one thing. In order to be baptized, the way it was done in the New Testament, and this is what we believe and this is what we follow, is that after you proclaim your faith in Jesus Christ, 
What good is it if somebody was baptized as an infant? Did you know that I was baptized as an infant? I didn't know what I was doing. Did I ever say I believe in Jesus Christ? I've surrendered my heart to Him? It was done in vain. Understand, it served no purpose. What the Lord wants us to do is, after you believe, is when you get baptized. That's the way it is. Every time there was a baptism going on in the New Testament church, at the time of Jesus, it was after they placed their faith in Him. That's when you got baptized. And so let's read in verse 38 what happens. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. And now when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. You know what's so awesome about this? Is that they see water, right? Again, you know what? Nothing is by coincidence. God arranged it all where there would be water so that we can be taught the scriptures the way they're taught today so we can have an account the way it happened so that I can be teaching you today about baptism. God is sovereign over all. God knows all. And God put water there because He wanted this Ethiopian eunuch to be baptized. And so He says, you know what? Let's go into the water and be baptized. And this is exactly what happened. Philip baptizes him. And you know what's so amazing? Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. But the eunuch, when he went away, he went rejoicing. Do you remember when you got saved? How were you when you got saved? Weren't you so happy? Weren't you like, you know what's so amazed and so happy about your salvation? I remember when I got saved, I was just rejoicing. I remember when I first went to church, I, you know what? The devil could tell me, you don't need to raise your hand. You don't need to raise your hand. Don't take him in. Don't receive Jesus. You don't need Jesus. And every time I left, I left empty. I was like, man, why didn't I raise my hand? I wanted to. I couldn't. Because I was listening to the wrong voice. The voice that was telling me, surrender yourself to me, was the one I finally surrendered myself to. And when I raised my hand, I felt liberated. I felt like, I can't believe this. It feels good to surrender my heart to Jesus Christ. And I remember when I went, after the prayer counselors talked to me, I remember I couldn't wait to get home and to share with my wife that I had received Jesus Christ. I remember getting in my car and I remember speeding home. Praise God, I didn't get a ticket. But I remember I couldn't wait to get home. I couldn't wait to get home because I was rejoicing. There is something that happens in us when we say yes to Jesus, when we allow Jesus to come into our hearts. There's a joy that you can never see, that you can never experience apart from Him. There's a love that you have for Him and for others that you've never experienced before. There's a fullness that happens in our lives. And then we begin to see that we're liberated from the sin that we were held so captive to. There's a rejoicing that goes on. And we know that this is what happened to Him. What happened to this Ethiopian eunuch? Who knows? One thing that I do know is I'm sure up in Nubia where there were people that were being saved, people that were coming to Christ. It's just like us, right? It starts with one. One person comes to the Lord and what happens? It's a snowball effect where you have your sons and your daughters and your brothers and your sisters and your parents coming to the Lord. But it starts with one, one bold person that says, you know what? Yes, Lord, I need you. I'm tired of this life apart from you. And I want you in my life, transforming me, changing me, making me more like you because I'm sick of who I am. And this is what the Lord does. When we talk about baptism, I want to share these things with you because it's important for us to understand. You know, when it talks about baptism, we practice this. And the way it's done is that we are immersed in water. 
We are immersed in water because that is a man that no longer lives. And the man that comes out of the water is a new man in Christ. And why do we get baptized? Because God commanded you to. You know, there's so many people that are so afraid of getting baptized. Do you know the way it was practiced before is as soon as they surrendered their hearts to Christ, they were in the water being baptized. The problem today is that we don't have all the water around us. But we got to plan it. But the important thing is as soon as you're saved, you should be asking your pastor, you know what, when is there going to be a baptism? I want to be baptized. And what's so awesome is it takes one person to say, I want to be baptized. And then there's others that follow. Again, it starts with one. And as we read, those that are baptized are the ones that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And we do it after we surrender our hearts to Him. Why do we immerse you in water? I want you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 13. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And you, and are you commanding, are you coming to me? Let me read that again. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you, and are you com- coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. He was immersed underwater. And he came up. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God has commanded us. According to Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. He's commanded us to be baptized. But I want to make sure that you understand one thing. Baptism brings you no salvation. Okay? I want you to know that. Because there are many false teachers out there that say, you must be baptized in order to be saved. That is false teaching. This is why they baptize Babies as infants. And they think because they're baptized that now they are saved. But yet they will live lives that are contrary to what? To somebody that has surrendered their lives to Christ. So how could they be saved? We all know the obvious one, right? The thief on the cross. He went into heaven without being baptized, right? Jesus said, today you will be with me in eternity, right? In paradise. That's an obvious one. But the one that always baffles those that preach or teach you to be baptized for salvation is when you ask them, was Abraham baptized? Was Moses baptized? Was King David baptized? So you're saying that in order to be saved, you got to be baptized. So where are they? We know that they're in heaven because Moses And and Elijah came down with Jesus, right? On the Mount of Transfiguration. They are in heaven, but yet they weren't baptized. Do you understand? Baptism is not not the means for salvation. The means for salvation was a prerequisite that that, uh, Philip talked about. You must believe. In order to be saved, we must believe. And that's what baptism is about. It's about showing everybody who you believe in. It's about showing everybody, you know what? I am a new man in Christ. And I want to proclaim it to the world that I serve Him. I am accountable to all of you now. As I gave my life to Him, I am not ashamed. I'm not a closet Christian. I want to show you all my love for Christ. 
And so that's why we have baptisms today. Just to show everybody the change that is going on in you. And now everybody can see it. Everybody can see the fact that you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things become brand new. So now we're going to pray and we're going to give the opportunity for those that may not, that haven't given themselves to the Lord, that haven't surrendered yourselves to the Lord. You know, we heard about it today and God wants to save you. That's why you're here. You're hearing the good news. You're here because He wants to save you. He wants to restore fellowship with you and God the Father. And the only way to do that is through faith in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you, Lord, for your word. We want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for just revealing the truth that comes through you, Lord. We know that as we hear the truth, the truth sets us free. Many of us have been living in bondage to lies and to deception, but your word sets us free, Lord. But we know that the truth of the gospel is that we can only be saved by faith in your Son, Holy Father. And if there's anyone here in this place that wants to be saved, to spend eternity, the rest of your life in heaven, the only way to do that is by accepting Jesus into your hearts. If there's anybody that wants to do this, I ask that you will raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anybody want to receive Jesus, raise your hand and we will pray for you. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Before we close, amen, amen. Anyone else? Don't be listening to that wrong voice. There's a voice that doesn't want you to experience all God has for you. If you want Jesus in your life, if you want to experience all that He has for you, raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anyone wanting to do that before we close? Anyone else? Anyone else? Before we close? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Lord, you saw these hands that went up, Lord. Lord, they wanted you, Lord. They want you in their lives, Lord. And we know, Lord Jesus, that as they surrender themselves to you, you will never leave them or forsake them, Lord. They have been sealed by your spirit, Lord, for your glory and for your honor. And so, Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for the work that you've done here, Lord. For we know that salvation is a miracle of God because no one can save themselves but you. And so, Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for this work. We give you praise, glory, and honor, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to call the worship team up.